This is a day I've been looking forward to for two and a half years. We're really proud of Timeline. <laughs> We're going to reimagine Windows. Microsoft is announcing the breakthrough game console called Xbox. We've created a platform attuned to consumers' changing behaviors and an evolving sense of play. We set out to make the best watch in the world. And today, we're introducing Nexus 7. This is it, Xbox One. And we are calling it iPhone. The latest news, the newest products, the biggest names. Welcome to Your Tech Report. Online at yourtechreport.com. Join Mitchell Whitfield and Marco Flalo for the next hour of Your Tech Report. Welcome to it. I am Marco Flalo in Montreal. He is Mitchell Whitfield in Los Angeles. Welcome to this edition of Your Tech Report. If you want to follow us online, you can do so in several ways. On Twitter, it is at Your Tech Report, Facebook.com slash Your Tech Report, and our email address is contact at yourtechreport.com. Mitchell, how's Los Angeles treating you today? You know, uh, Los Angeles is lovely because, as as we talked about, you know, last week the weather is finally cooling off. But you know what? Is it possible, Mark? Let me let me ask you this: Is it possible to be exhausted in advance of the holiday shopping season, just mentally knowing what you have to do, what you want to do? Is it possible to suffer? pre-holiday shopping exhaustion syndrome? It is, especially when we're sitting here planning our next week's show, which is going to be our big, you know, holiday kind of shopping guide where we're, it's on our mind, we're thinking about what to get for people while thinking about what to tell you guys, our listeners, to go out and get. It is, it is absolutely exhausting. And I'm excited. I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm excited. This is a time of year, and listen, as a gamer, I'm excited. We have so many great games that have come out, so many announcements that we're hearing about gadgets that are coming out for the holiday season. I get excited to share them, but then I also get nervous because I have to buy every one of them. It's okay, Mitchell. It's okay, Mitchell. Don't Thank you just you gotta down. relax a bit. You gotta relax a bit. Did you have a chance Breathe. to watch any of Tag Hoyer's connected watch event this week? Because if you didn't, it was a hoot. It was an absolute hoot. And oh, I want to tell I, you about I, yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm excited about one in particular one thing in particular, but uh, I know exactly where you're going with this. So yeah. Well, Read on, my friend. Go on. Okay, so so, so Jean-Claude Beaver, who's the CEO of uh, he's not really the CEO of Tag Hoyer, he's the CEO of the parent company, but he is one animated individual um a great <laughs> thick german accent very excited to share cheese with people on stage after he announces what is 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 this watchmaker's you know flagship connected watch a 1500 dollars android wear watch that mitchell you know what this looks like a watch before it looks like, it, a looks, tag. It, it looks like a tag it really does yeah. and the biggest benefit here and the i guess the biggest caveat here is when you're when you're tired of it and you don't want it as a connected watch anymore, and you want it, you know, like, oh, you want a mechanical watch back? No problem. Go back to a store two years later, give them another 1500 bucks, and you get yourself a mechanical version. I, I now... Okay, so... Uh, go ahead. React. <laughs> I, no, I, I, this is... This is correct. Now, first of all, Right now, and Tag, when they announced the, you know, the Apple Watch and the price points, they kind of poo-pooed it, but now we know they really owe, they really owe Apple a lot because... People will not bat an eyelash for a $1,500 tag, which is which is an experienced, beautiful watchmaker. It's been around for a very long time. With Apple selling $10,000 Apple watches based on the gold that really encompasses the majority of the body, no one's batting an eyelash at a $1,500 tag. But here's the thing, Mark. So I think that what they're saying is you have to hold on to the watch for two years. Yep. And then after that two-year period, if you're saying, you know what? 
the connected thing, the Android thing, the Android where it is not for me. I want a regular, you know, traditional timepiece. Then you could trade it in by, as you said, add another $1,500 for a total of $3,000 for one of their Carrera line of watches, which, interestingly enough, they all sell for over $3,000. So you're still getting a good deal. You're going to end up paying less for that watch. But what a genius move by Tag. And Mark, as you said, it doesn't just look like a beautiful watch. It looks like a beautiful Tag. And if you're a Tag Heuer yeah. fan, you know how gorgeous that is. I'm looking right now at the beautiful beautiful body of it, the band, it's pure tag, and I'm not going to lie, I want one right now. It's funny, because when we think about connected watches, we're used to this digital form factor. It's almost like, okay, we think about this is this is a wearable, this is a watch, this is a smart watch. When you look at the tag, you're looking at a watch that happens to be smart. It, it, it is That's right. absolutely foremost a watch first. And listen, it comes with that beautiful tag bezel. Um, it, it runs Android Wear, so it, it is compatible with iOS and Android, and of course other operating systems. It brings you everything that you can expect of from uh, from uh, from Android Wear in that beautiful package, and again, you can trade that in two years later if you want. And for three thousand dollars for a Carrera tag, that is basically street value for what that watch costs. So it's not like you're you ha- you're shelling up more and you're getting something of lesser value. You're getting great value for that watch. So I, I, I kudos to them. I think it was a, a a really big win on their part. And watch. let's face it, you know, you're absolutely right. And let's face it, that there are certain names that carry weight within their industry. Apple's making a computer, a tablet, yeah, and a watch, you know, the watch is carrying on the fumes of all their other products. But when you hear about a tag-connected watch, the tag name carries a lot of weight and a lot of prestige in the community. And it, from the looks of it, I haven't handled one yet, from the looks of it, it delivers on almost every front. Earlier this week, Apple announced pre-orders of the iPad Pro on November 11th, Memorial Day, and, and of course, Veterans Day in the U.S. Uh, Apple started selling these devices in stores, so you were able to either order it for shipping or you were able to go hands-on in a store for this gigantic iPad, 12.9 inches, let's remind you that, 78% larger than the iPad Air 2. The initial reactions are this, Mitchell. The screen is absolutely brilliant. The pencil's reaction on the screen is great. It's big. Um, Some people, depending who you speak to, for example, you know, Tim Cook says that he uses it solely as his own work device. However, the, the, the masses tend to say that this is still not yet a replacement for something you need to carry on your day-to-day, which is kind of what we expected. But they're not saying it because of the hardware. They're saying it because of the software. At the end of the day, Mark, you absolutely nailed it. It becomes an issue of, well, now we're seeing the downside to two different operating systems. Even though the core kernel is the base, you know, the base is the same for both OSs, Mac's laptop, I mean, Mac's, you know, regular computer operating system, OS X, and their iOS platform are different. And everyone is saying, look, it has the size of a regular laptop-ish sort of device. It looks like a full-size computer, has the power of a full-size computer, but it's missing this software. You can't run your Mac desktop software on it. And until they unify the platform, like Microsoft did, like Google is doing right now, it's still going to be a hard sell for a professional to carry as their one device, Mark. They can't run their, their desktop platform on it, That's and that's a huge downside. So let's talk about, obviously, some of the hardware, because people are, you know, tearing it down, the iFixits, they're doing drop tests, they're testing everything. Oh, that drives me crazy when they drop those things. On the battery side, because it's such a big device, they have way more room for battery. So it's giving you pretty much in line about 9 to 10 hours of battery life, depending on how you're using it. Um, but what they're saying on the graphics side, Mitchell, is it is outperforming. Forming the 15-inch MacBook Pro with Retina display. 
It wow. is outperforming the Intel HD 520 graphics in the Surface Pro 4 and the Iris Pro 5200 graphics. It is blowing any kind of laptop competition and, and tablet competition away on the graphics side. On the performance side, it's pretty much on par with the iPad Air 2 and the Mini 4. Um, it's got a quad-core processor on the higher-end model. It's got a dual-core processor on the smaller-end model. Listen, it, it's going to have its niche, but I really do believe, and, and I'll put this out there, I think this was a, uh, a risk that Apple is taking. I don't think it is something they are guaranteed to know they're going to get a good return on the market. You know, we saw with the iPad, they said they saw where it fit in the market. I don't think the company yet knows whether or not this is going to fit as mass appeal. Well, let me, let me put it out there. Let me put this out there to you. Apple is a fairly smart company. Uh, they've made some great decisions. They've had their bombs over the, over, you know, the last few decades have been around. But in recent memory, the last 10 years, since basically the resurgence of Steve Jobs being brought back in, making the, the company what it is today, um, have made a lot of mistakes. Do you see this, Mark? Do you think this was a purpose product where they brought this product out to bridge that gap, meaning they have every intention of merging the software platforms and this is the device that will necessitate it? This is the device that they needed to have to see why people need one, you know, one platform to rule them all. iOS and OS 10 merged. Maybe this is a device they, they, they created to make that launch happen. I don't know. I'm putting it out there. It's your tech report. Mark Aflalo, Mitchell Whitfield. He's in Los Angeles. I am in Montreal. Mitchell, T-Mobile announced an Uncarrier 10 event this week, Binge On. Basically, what they're doing is they're giving you access to a slew of streaming video services. They've done this with audio before. So you get Netflix, HBO, Showtime, Hulu, Sling TV, all as long as they're on T-Mobile's list of participating services, will not count towards your data bucket. That's big. I Honestly, they, they keep giving me reasons, or, or, or the, I can't think of reasons why not to go with T-Mobile if I was in your country, other than like, coverage. No, you're right. They're, they're, they're handing so many things to us on a platter in terms of data, performance, every, every barrier that every other carrier puts on their plans, every other concern that people have for joining up with an AT&T or Verizon Wireless here in the States, you know? Uh, T-Mobile says, really? Well, how about this? All right, yeah, we'll give you that for free. Oh, no, you don't have to worry about that. No, it's endless. And, and at this point, it becomes a matter of performance. And this is something we tell our listeners all the time when they ask us, what's the best carrier? Well, the best carrier is the one that works best where you are. I think that's really the best answer for everyone. The best carrier is the one that works, be works best for you where you live and work and use your devices and what you can afford and what the performance is. And for T-Mobile, if you're in an area where T-Mobile gets a killer connection, there's really no reason except for history and... And what's familiar to not jump ship and at least give it a try. So I'm kind of like you. I've been an AT&T guy. I know you've been a Rogers guy for quite some time. It works great where I am. But when you hear stuff like this, Mark, the wheels start turning. And that's why they're doing this. They want people that are with the big two here in the States, which is Verizon and AT&T, to question. At least put that seed of doubt and be a part of the conversation. And because of that, this was a great move. Mitchell, Fallout 4 was released this week and already has made some pretty <sighs> big history. I know you, you guys are into this. This, it's wonderful. This stuff. Okay, let's see. After one day of availability, 1.2 <laughs> okay. million PC owners bought the game. Plus, it has beat records for the most concurrent players at one time. That's, uh, I think, a little bit insane. So rather than us talk about it, let's bring on David Weir, our gaming editor from Glasgow, Scotland. David, tell us all about Fallout 4. I know you haven't slept much in quite some time, but there's, <laughs> there's people, A, who have obviously experienced the game through its various iterations and its various creators, uh, but there are people who are new to us. Tell us as concisely as possible, what is Fallout 4? Take 
post-apocalyptic America. Give it a 1950s bent. Um, that's pretty much it. <laughs> that's all you really need. You are you are wandering the post-apocalyptic Boston. Post-apocalyptic. I can't even say it. Post-apocalyptic Boston. Boston. Well, you know they've changed. I mean, David, they have changed locations during the. You know, we had Fallout Vegas. We had different iterations of the game, and they went through a lot of trouble. And I think recreating a post-apocalyptic Boston, as you said, it. You know, with a with a throwback retro fifties look, but it's like a fifties look at the future. Correct. It, it mixes yeah. the past and the future together, right? Yeah, it's very much that fifties idea of what the future was going to look like. Right. Um, it's got a very sort of, you know, cars look like they could fit in the Jetsons kind of idea. <laughs> exactly um, right. There's also the fact that when you look at it, you kind of think, hmm, post-apocalyptic Boston doesn't really look that different from, you know, Boston. <laughs> less destruction around you, but yeah, you know, Mark. I mean, Mark, I know you're not uh, a huge uh, Fallout guy. So basically, the whole the whole Fallout universe revolves around two important things, and that's the the, the systems of vaults and the Pip Boy on your arm. So you know, basically, people were preserved in these vaults, and in this game, this game is no different. You're you're coming out of the vault to see what has happened in the future, and of course, you're stuck in post-apocalyptic Boston. But also, you have the Pip Boy, David. Now, I, I don't think you got a hold of the special edition, did you? That had the Pip Boy. I know we both wanted one of those, but the Pip Boy is like a, an arm, a computer on your arm. Imagine like a really retro, old school cell phone that's that wrapped in a cuff on your arm, and that becomes your interface for the entire game, right? Yeah, it does. There's also a Pip Boy app that was meant to fit in with the Pip Boy edition thing you could get that you'd actually wear, but the app is essentially the exact same in every way as the Pip Boy interface in the game. It works instantly as well. So uh, you can actually watch yourself move in real time on the map. You can apply armor, etc. And it'll all happen in the game fast. It's possibly the best version of that companion app concept that I've seen so right. far. But actually, it's just a big thing about Fallout. We're talking about records that it beat this week, right? Here's another thing. Fallout 4, we didn't actually know that game was coming until July this year. From the point of July this year when they announced it, they went, they didn't announce it, they didn't show screens, they didn't show trailers until the thing was basically done. Right? Isn't that crazy? That, that's unheard of in games these days. It's always like, maybe look at Mirror's Edge, the new one that's coming. We're not going to see anything from that for another year at least. Whereas, I've play, played 67 hours of Fallout already. Well, guys, let me ask you this. Wouldn't you prefer... Now, here's, here's the problem with the video game industry. The video game industry is the worst at this. We think it's, you know, Android devices, iOS devices. No. The video game industry is the worst at teasing a game. And uh, Peter Molyneux, you know, over at Lion's Head, he was the, you know, I mean, he was maybe the worst guy about this because basically he would talk about a game, how cool it is, and then you wouldn't see that game for maybe four or five years after you first heard about it. Wouldn't you rather hear about a game five months before its release for the first time and then it's out than be teased for several years? years and never or you have to wait four to five years i think that's great i love the way they did this yeah me too i think it's i think it's fantastic i'm kind of now hoping that valve just suddenly turn around when they go half-life episode three is done it's out it's in the steam store when you go so, so dave let me yeah go ahead i'm sorry Mark, go ahead. so what sets this this version of the game apart from from the previous ones what is different what's cool power armor um brand new characters mass effect style voice um for your for your own player character you can give it a personality there's customization beyond customization for from player appearance to armor you can build customize and name your own weapons so i'm currently walking around the wasteland with a gun called focused fire simply because it shoots fire <laughs> that's good well named i see 
it, it basically every single lesson that uh, Bethesda had learned from Fallout New Vegas, from Fallout Three, from Skyrim, and even the mod community, they basically looked at them all and went, "How can we make Fallout Four the purest distillation of everything we've done so far?" They've taken away things like weapon degradation, but instead have created a huge mod system, so no weapon can ever really be the same as another. It, now, it, Dave, David, you had mentioned that you're 67 hours in and you're still doing the main campaign. Now, Mark, let's put this in perspective. From what I've heard, and David, you'll tell me if this is true, the game has over 400 hours of content. Now, wow. I'm not talking about crazy guy like you, David, who will play Skyrim for 300 hours, which is basically replaying it three times. I'm We're sorry, talking about 500 hours at least. Okay, out. you know what? I didn't want to shame you, but you've done it to yourself. 500 hours. Okay, but I mean, think of it. 400 hours of unique, fresh content. We're not talking about replay. Four hundred hours in. If you pl want to play the entire thing, that is that is unheard of in this industry. I have absolutely no problem believing that. And also, I'm usually someone who, when it comes to buying a season pass for a game, I'll tend to hold back on it, kind of like see what the content is. Now we were given a copy by Bethesda, and that's fine. But if I'd been buying it, that season pass would have been bought with it immediately. <laughs> they had because, you with hello. Well, Bethesda. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Bethesda for Fallout New Vegas, for Fallout 3, for Skyrim. They brought fantastic pieces of DLC, and I don't see that not happening. And that's more content to add on to a 400-plus-hour game. So whether so whether you're a previous fan of Fallout or you're a, a newcomer, you are recommending this game? I'm calling Game of the Year now. It's still a month to go, but th this is Game of the Year. I can't see anything beating it now. And you know, Mark, we also have to give a big shout out to our friends at Bethesda for getting, you know, the different console versions in our hands. Of course, the Steam code, uh, it, it allows us to sort of dive in and talk about the game from a different perspective. And, yeah. you know, I know David is 67 hours in. I'm much further behind, but the game plays beautifully. It looks beautiful. I was very surprised. You know, they kind of tease you at the beginning when you're still in the vault. It has sort of an old school look to the graphics where you're thinking, oh, oh this, this could great. be yeah. like an old version. It doesn't. And then as soon as the doors open... You're the greeted by this incredible, incredible high definition. Well, go ahead. Go ahead, Dave. What were you going to say? Bethesda's never really been about the great graphics. They've always been about the game. Yeah, and the it's, quality it's, of the game. It's still built on the old engine. So there is only so much they can do. And there have been a few people complain about that. And they go, oh, it's not a good game because it doesn't look as good. And it's like, I thought it all, looked beautiful. All yeah. I'd like to say is, what game are you playing? <laughs> exactly, <laughs> David. We are no, uh, gaming editor from Glasgow, Scotland. Thank you so much for uh, for joining us. Obviously, uh, get back to playing because we we don't want to speak to you until you've hit that 400, uh, 400 hours of playing. We want to know absolutely every nook and cranny about Fallout Four, which is uh, available right now. So I'll see you next week then. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> it is your tech report, Mark Flalo, Mitchell Whitfield. Thanks, David Weir. When we come back, a very cool tech angle to the upcoming Grey Cup with the Canadian Football League. Stick around. There's more Your Tech Report after this.
This is your tech report. Mitchell, the Grey Cup is the Canadian Football League's Super Bowl. Really, I, I, mean, the, I know, I know, I know you know what it is. Okay? I'm a sports guy. Come on. This year, it's on November 29th in Winnipeg. Now, we still have a couple more weekends of games to determine who exactly is going to be there in the final matchup. But there's no hiding the Grey Cup fever when you're in Canada. Okay, so when you cross that border here, you know the Grey Cup is coming. You know, especially <laughs> if you're in Winnipeg, you know it's coming. So the reason I'm bringing up the Grey Cup is because not only do all their games air on this channel, Sirius XM 167, matter of fact, um, but there's some very cool tech implications and accomplishments this year. So before moving on, I want to welcome Christina Litz to the show. She's a VP of Marketing and Content for the Canadian Football League. Welcome, Christina. Hey, guys. How are you? I'm great. How are you? We're, we're, we're awesome. doing great. You know what? More more than just this is the hundred third Grey Cup, right? That's right. So, which in its own really is a major accomplishment. But this year, you guys are making some major strides in tech innovation. So let's start with this giant lit up Grey Cup hashtag. Tell us about it. Oh yeah, we're really excited about our hashtag Grey Cup sign. Uh, which we brought to Winnipeg a couple weeks ago. Um, So the idea around this, I mean, first of all, we are 103 years old, but our business has always been about our fans. And it's always been about engaging fans. And uh, the way in which we engage fans just has evolved over these 100 years or so. So this is our latest uh, way of uh, engaging with our fan base. And what it is, it's a, it's a huge 7-foot by 50-foot sign that we set up at the Forks in Winnipeg, which is a very, very historical, prominent location in Winnipeg. And uh, you can go and take your typical selfie with it, but what's really cool about it is that if you tweet out hashtag Grey Cup and the hashtag of your team's favorite uh, team colors, so if, you, if it's the Blue Bombers, hashtag blue and gold, the sign will actually change colors for you. And <laughs> That's so, awesome. Yeah, it's amazing. And so um, our fans are having a great time with it. And uh, we're really excited when people get on the ground. We think this is going to be a major focus of attention uh, for all of the festivities. So this is a really, a really cool way to get people to interact with the brand. Do you, do you find that it's more challenging to engage the fans through social media or do you find the opposite? They're embracing it. Uh, no, I mean, they're totally embracing it. And in fact, you know, it's, it's, it's challenging for us in the sense that uh, things are evolving fast in this space. Um, but our, our team, uh, you know, which includes our team in Toronto, but also at all, at all of the teams who have digital and social media staff, I mean, the staff that is doing this, they're so connected to what's happening and what's going on. So, I think for everybody else, uh, we kind of wonder at how we can sort of keep up with all the changes. But this is the space that, that our next generation of fans is living in right now. And, and so it's really natural, uh, a natural place for us to connect, to connect with, uh, you know, the fans that we already have who are really active and the fans that we want to bring uh, to the CFL and to the Grey Cup. Um, so, no, we're really, we're really excited about it, and it's created new points of engagement beyond, you know, sort of our broadcast and then, of course, at the games themselves. Well, you know, you talk about bringing people in, and I think this is hugely important, especially, you know, coming in with the U.S. perspective here. I think a lot of people, a lot of people here in the U.S., <coughs> excuse me, 
they don't really know the CFL as well as they should. They don't understand the game. And a lot of us here have not, I mean, I have, a lot of people here have not seen the game. And first of all, if you've never seen the game, it's a great, great fun game. There are slight rule changes from what we have here in the NFL. It's a fast game. It's a precision game. I've enjoyed watching many of them. And what you're doing now, just not innovating on the social media side, but you also have other relationships in place. From what I understand, the Grey Cup is going to be streaming on YouTube to how many countries? Yeah, over 150 countries. Um, That's I would incredible. mention that in the U.S., we have a great broadcast partner in ESPN, and for the yep. Great Cup game itself, that will be on ESPN too, which I think most most U.S. Uh, most fans have. And so, a great way to spend your Thanksgiving weekend is with us at, at the uh, at the Grey Cup. But yeah, I mean, we also um, we have fans all around the world, and we know this uh, through a number of ways. I mean, we, we can see it on the web traffic that's coming into our league and team websites. And then earlier this season, a couple of our teams, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and the Hamilton Tiger Cats, uh, streamed their preseason game uh, internationally. And, you know, for the Tiger Cats alone, they had uh, fans from over uh, 52 countries come in and check out the game. And so what this said to us is that the borders are no longer important in sports. Yeah, that's you know, right. Connecting with your local team is important, but people, you know, this is a great game, as you said, and people want to watch, um, w- watch great sports, and, and it doesn't get any better um, than our, than our uh, brand of game. And I think, you know, the other point to mention is that um, so many of our players um, were stars that a lot of a lot of your um, listeners in the U.S. will recognize. I mean, these were these were number one stars at their NCAA schools, and so um, you know, for those who want to continue on the story about where their favorite players went, a lot of them are with us right now, and so we think that is adding another layer of interest and and reason uh, to watch for for fans who live outside of Canada. Christine, I'm so glad you brought that up because. Uh, I think there's a perception here. It's like, oh, you know, that player that we followed in college, they didn't make it to the pros. They didn't make it to the NFL. It's like, no, no, they didn't. They're not in the NFL. That doesn't mean they didn't make it to the pros. They're having an incredible career in the CFL. So I'm really glad you touched on that because uh, there are incredible players that we have watched throughout college or even in the NFL that make the transition to the CFL. And you, like you said, you can still watch them. I think that's fantastic and important to know. Yeah, and and you know those players love being in our league. It's like no other league in the world. I mean, our players have a relationship with our fans almost directly. I mean, we had this amazing image uh, shared last week uh, when Edmonton clinched its uh, first place Western playoff uh, um, spot uh, when the players themselves uh, went in the stands with the fans to celebrate. That doesn't happen in any other league. And so when these elite players come to play in our league and they they get to experience um, that kind of connection with our fans, oh, man, they're so excited, and and they just embrace everything about it. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think that's what's so special about the CFL. Okay, Christina, so now you've you've gone ahead and, and set the bar pretty high for what the league is doing. How do you surpass that in the coming years? Once the Great Cup is done, there's obviously work on, on, on next season. So what's next? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think um, there's a lot of things coming next. We are just around the corner um, from relaunching our league and, and team websites. And, and the big news there is that we, were, we are uh, developing our websites to be mobile first because we know already that this is the way that, that fans are interacting uh, with our content and with our teams. 
So that's coming right after Grey Cup. And then the other thing, which sounds kind of geeky, but is really important to our business, is that we are relaunching our, our stats application. And the reason why this is a big deal is because a lot of the things that we've been challenged with doing in the past, whether it be getting deeper into fantasy, getting, getting video games out in the world, we can't do that unless we have a robust real-time stat system. And so we've been working with the guys that created the NFL's um, stats application, and they've been working all season to do that for us. That will be in place next year, and, uh, and we're really excited about the products that could come out of that. And uh, in the short term, we're going to be working with um, d- developers, digital developers in Canada, to take that new stat- stats application and see what they can develop. And we're, we're doing this thing called a hackathon, where we pose them, <laughs> give cool. them a problem, and they develop digital products from that. And, and I think you know, what that just speaks to is, is we want to work with the whole tech community, with, with our fans, um, to see how this league evolves on those, those different platforms. So I can't even tell you what, what the future is going to bring. We want to work with, with people who are thinking about this as much as we are um, and just be responsive to it, which I think we've done the league very well so far. That's very cool. You know, it's, a, it's exciting. You know, stats, you, you, know you, you said that stats are geeky, but stats are so important. If you look at all the fantasy leagues and, uh, and the way that people follow and, and use those stats is, is absolutely insane. Well, Christina mentioned yeah. something about, you know, the video game console. I just want to jump in, Christina, because you mentioned, like, video games and stuff like that. You know, video game consoles now have become as much, mo- you know, media streaming devices as they are gaming consoles. So if you can sit there and watch your favorite CFL team scores and stats just coming on, you know, on an app that gives you information as you're playing your favorite games, it's something that we see with other sports. That would be great to have that with the CFL. We think so, too. Stay tuned. Yeah, yeah exactly. All right, I love it. <laughs> Christina Litz, VP of Marketing and Content for the Canadian Football League. Congrats on obviously all these awesome initiatives. We're, we still got a couple of weeks to go, but we're gonna we're gonna follow all the Great Cup fever. The 103rd Great Cup presented by Shaw will be played Sunday, November 29th, uh, 2015, at Winnipeg's Investors Group Field. There's way more to come. Sonos released their True Play technology earlier this week, and we got to go hands-on with not only that technology but their new flagship Play Five speaker. That's coming up as well as our latest Loot Crate unboxing. It's Your Tech Report on Twitter at Your Tech Report, Facebook.com slash Your Tech Report, and contact at YourTechReport.com. There's more Your Tech Report after this. This is Your Tech Report. Yes, it is Your Tech Report on Twitter. It is at Your Tech Report, Facebook.com slash Your Tech Report, contact at YourTechReport.com. Thank you to Christina Litz from the CFL. It's fun to be able to talk sports, Mitchell, and the. When it marries sports and technology, it's kind of cool, especially with the Grey Cup upcoming in the next uh, two weeks. It's not only cool, but I, I think it's important, and I, I, I really direct this to the to our U.S. audience because there is this perception that NFL is king. We know it's one of the most popular yeah. sports on the planet. I get that, but I think a lot of people in this country still, even though we have wide coverage on ESPN and other you know, ESPN two, people don't know the game that well, and they think it's like, well, it's not. Re- it is real football. It's great football. There are some slight tweaks to the rules, like like we said in the interview, that I think really make the game much more fun to watch. So if you have not watched a CFL game, obviously, Grey Cup is a great opportunity, but it's worth watching. It's a lot of fun, and you're going to recognize a lot of stars that you've seen play, so definitely worth a watch. Mitchell, about, about a month ago, I got this invitation, this quiet, secret invitation from this a company creepy. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. called Sonos, invited me to a oh. secret location here in Montreal yes. mm-hmm. to lay my ears on their latest flagship speaker. Before we even get into the details about the speaker, okay. let's remind people 
what Sonos actually is. I was just going to say, yeah, for people that don't know, absolutely. Uh, no, no, go, no, go ahead, go ahead. Okay, so Sonos, is, it's a multi-room speaker system that lets you stream audio from a number of sources. So they have Sirius XM, for example, local storage, Apple Music is upcoming, Spotify, RDO, Deezer, the title, all, all these are music, you know, obviously lockers, and allow you to stream your music to those speakers. Now, of course, it allows you to also mesh these speakers together in groups. So if you want a couple in a different room, if you want a group your living room and your dining room, you can do that as well. And it's all controlled by an app that is available for multiple platforms. Whether you yep. want to stream things off SoundCloud, tune in, no, no matter what your favorite music service is, you can play it through Sonos. So their latest flagship, Mitchell, is the Sonos Play 5 speaker. Okay. To describe this, it's about you know the size of a, a bookshelf speaker on its side. Okay. Um, you, it could actually sit on its side or it could sit nice and flat. Very, very you know, uh, I guess not subdued. I guess subdued is the word. It's, you know, one button on the top. You've got a power outlet on the back. You've got an Ethernet port if you want to use it. Very unassuming, I think, is the word you're yeah, looking for. It was unassuming, but, yeah. But, it, but it's their flagship Wi-Fi-enabled speaker. It retails for $499, which may seem off the bat a little bit expensive, but you have to understand what you're getting and what it, what it actually does. So it works on its own, or it can be paired with another pair of, uh, Play 5 speaker if you want to do that, that stereo effect, or any other Sonos speaker, for that matter, to, to fill a room. Now, I have to say, the Play 5 is honestly, quite honestly, the best Sonos speaker I have ever tested. Um, I, I've listened to some of the smaller ones, but the sound that comes up and comes out of the Play 5 is absolutely insane. This was my first experience with Sonos as a true kind of multi-room setup. Setting it up was quick. It was easy. It walks you through the entire process of getting it up in your network. Less than five minutes. Um, and the sound quality, Mitchell, the sound quality that comes out of the speaker is really what redefines the whole term room filling. So let's talk about the hardware for a second. Yeah, We've got six speakers, three tweeters, two facing out. One facing forward. We've got uh, dedicated midwoofers, three dedicated midwoofers, and each of these speakers has their own dedicated amplifier. Okay, they're each carefully laid out within the chassis, and it's all in this discrete package that honestly it comes in black and gray. It comes in white and silver if you want it. But of course, speakers are only as good as as the sound they emit, right? Of course. So here's what I here, I just wanted to jump in and ask you a question. I think because you said you could have a couple of them and run them in stereo, but basically, this this single it is a speaker, speaker has the full. Yes. Stere- that's exactly yeah. what I was going to say. It has the separated channels. It is a it, you know it is in one unit. Beautiful separated stereo sound. So go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. So so where the setup takes the biggest turn for Sonos is their brand new technology, which was officially released this week. And it's called TruePlay. And we did an interview a couple of weeks back with someone at Sonos talking about it, but we never had the opportunity to really go hands-on with it, try and figure out what exactly TruePlay is, how easy is it to set up. So what TruePlay does, it takes advantage of the fact that we're using a mobile device anyway. Everybody uses a mobile device. We're controlling our speakers. It has a microphone on a mobile device because we're, we're using it as a phone. So it That's takes right. advantage of that built-in microphone and adjusts the characteristics of each of the built-in speakers to conform what it's playing back to match the sound of your room. So this is what happens. You set up your device. You go, okay, let me okay. add it to my network. And now it says, do you want to do TruePlay? You say, yeah. So it gives you a short video and it tells you to walk around your room, place your speaker where you want it, walk around the room, wave it up and wave your phone up and down while the speaker itself emits these different zone, uh, you know, tones and pulses. What it's actually doing is it's taking measurements of how quickly the sound takes to get to that point in the room. So then, after it's all said and done, 
It goes through its algorithms and it tunes the speakers, the highs, the lows, the mids, et cetera, et cetera, for that specific room. And I tell you, I've done this in multiple rooms just to see how it changes the effect. And the result, Mitchell, is honestly the most pristine representation of sound I've ever heard come out of a speaker. And I work in the audio business. And, and Mark, I think this is another time where we have to sort of tell our audience, for those who aren't familiar, we, we come from a sound background, right? We both grew up yes. in studios. Uh, you know, obviously having something that can produce beautiful audio, which obviously the Play 5 does, is part of the equation. But people don't realize the environmental differences when it comes to sound, how your environment controls the sound experience, whether you're in a room that's what they call a very tinny or hollow sound. Uh, if it doesn't have any carpeting, hardwood floors, it's bound, the sound is bouncing. If you have carpeting, it has an absorbing kind of, you know, it absorbs and it gives a different sound. So your environment is, I'm just trying to say the environment is very important to the sound experience. And as you're saying, this is a speaker, a speaker that can adapt to your environment immediately enhances the the, the oral the oral tones, your oral experience. So this is a big deal, basically what I'm saying. The fact that it can detect the environment and adjust is a huge, it's it's part of the experience. Listen, I've seen, I've seen AV units for surround sound that have these kind of room tuning features. I've never seen With one. With a microphone and it yeah. says, you know, it's, yeah. Hold the mic in the middle, make sure it's at ad level. That's I, right. I've seen them try and tune the sound, but I've never seen the representation of sound that's come out of uh, a speaker like this. A lot of people come up to me and said, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm set up a new house. I want to put speakers in my ceiling, et cetera, et cetera. By far, honestly, the best bang for your buck is is definitely going to be Sonos. Whether you want to spend the $500 on the Play 5 speaker, there are plenty of other lower-cost options in the Sonos family to choose from. And the benefit you get here is that you're getting a constantly evolving ecosystem, right? So as more and more streaming services like Apple Music come out, you're going to be able to stream those to the speaker as well. Plus, software updates affect hardware. On the Play 5, there are features that, that you don't even know about yet. There's Bluetooth in there's a microphone built in that aren't even used yet, so they haven't even released the updates yet to give you access to those. Imagine the microphone on the Sonos speaker, imagine it being able to tune the room itself without even having a mobile device. It can be done, and you can use it wirelessly, or you can use it wired. Uh, you can even plug in an auxiliary through the auxiliary port in the back if you want to. A beautiful, a beautiful package and a beautiful sound out of the Sonos speaker. And I don't think I don't think the cost is as much of an issue as people think. Four ninety nine. When you think about it, for as you said at the beginning of this review, Mark, for everything you're getting, it's a cost is a measure. You know, it's a measure of value for a lot of people, whether or not it's good or bad amount of money. It's a measure of what you get back for it, right? If you think about if you're creating a sound system in your home and you're saying Sonos can be multi-room, you just have different units in different rooms controlled all from an app. It's brilliant. If you try to do that with a traditional sound system, you're talking at least five hundred to a thousand dollars for a receiver that has multi, multi-room multi capabilities, you're talking about wiring all those different rooms to get the, those features, and then you're talking about speakers, a pair of speakers for each room that you're trying to do this in. So when you're thinking about just putting a Sonos, even at $500 in three different rooms, you're still going to be saving money over um, the more traditional or well-known yeah. wired system. It becomes a good value. Plus you're getting the remote controllability, you're getting the, That's obviously right. the streaming service and everything built in. So I do I do encourage you, and I want to thank, thank the guys at Sonos. I have to send the speaker back already. Do you have to? It. I do. They, they said I can play with it for two weeks, but I'm traveling, uh. so I got to get it back to them just in time for someone else to play with it. But we got our hands on before anybody else, Mitchell. This was a brand new unit, and now, unfortunately, all right. well, they showed us love. My, my sticky hands are all over it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you marked your territory. I did mark my territory. Sorry, I can't give it back. It sounds like Corey. me. Sorry, yeah. I, I wanted to give it back. I just couldn't do it. <laughs> it is your tech report. I am Mark Aflalo. Montreal is Mitchell Whitfield in Los Angeles.
On Twitter, it is at EarTechReport, Facebook.com slash EarTechReport. Don't forget to tune in next week, Mitchell. We've got our holiday gift guide. We'll call it, should we call it a holiday gift guide or just a gift guide? Because we've got Thanksgiving in the U.S. We've got Cyber Monday. We've got Black, you know, Black Friday. We've got the Boxing Day in Canada. I mean, Aren't the holidays are holidays, here. Though? They're all holidays, Aren't, I guess. Don't call it a holiday gift guide. Leave it alone. Don't overthink it. Okay, it's a holiday gift okay. guide. Don't forget that next week. But we're going to do our Loot Crate <laughs> unboxing when we come back right here on Your Tech Report. Stick around. There's more Your Tech Report after this. is your tech report. Welcome back to your tech report. Mark Aflalo in Montreal with Mitchell Whitfield in Los Angeles. An awesome show so far, Mitchell. Again, if you're following us on, on Twitter, it's at your tech report, facebook.com slash your tech report. Our email address, contact at your tech report.com. People have been bugging us to get on the holiday gift guide thing, so we're doing it next week. It's oh, yeah. a holiday gift guide. We've got some great stuff. We're going to talk to Elliot over to Best Buy. We're going to talk to D-Link about all their products. Controller Chaos coming back on the show. It's going to be a fun show next week on, uh, on your tech report. But this week, don't forget, I mean, we spoke to Christina Litz from the CFL. Um, a fun show. A fun show, indeed. There it's, already, it's already been a feature-packed show, and there's still more. I mean, we're still have this whole other segment where we're going to just amaze and dazzle. Oh, amaze and dazzle the masses. Or dazzle Mitchell. and amaze. Sorry, I had the wrong order. Sorry it, about that. It's yeah. funny. We talk about things off the air, and we kind of stop ourselves and say, no, 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 save that. It's a good conversation for on the air. <laughs> That's right. Tell me. You're, you're, you're teasing me. You're like, you, you know what I installed in my house? I said, no, 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 wait. So tell me. What did Tell me. Tell me. Okay, so obviously, you know, uh, we're going we're gonna to do our Loot Crate unboxing after this, but basically I wanted to talk about a product that I just went out and bought myself. This is not something that was sent to us. I, I just found out Mark has, I, I, well, I found a while ago that Mark has the same one or the same thing, but uh, he doesn't know that I just bought one, and that is a product called the Nest Protect. Now, uh, for people that are familiar with Nest, Nest, of course, gained fame. The original uh, creator of the iPad, the uh, iPod, the way the iPod looked, the original iPod, uh, the same man created the product called the Nest Learning Thermostat, which is a connected thermostat that I'm sure a lot of people know about now. Oh, yeah. Uh, it connects to your internet. You can control it using your smartphone. It learns your habits in terms of, you know, how you like the temperature. And after about two or three weeks of learning, it automatically sets the temperature the way you like it. Of course, you can override it, but it has a beautiful beautiful digital display. It's connected to your Wi-Fi. It's brilliant. Well, that's not the only product Nest makes, and they are sort of broadening nope. their horizons, wouldn't you say, Mark, with different products? Uh, I know they have a camera as well, but they also make something called the Nest Protect, which is what I bought yesterday. Got it at my local Target. You can get it online. $99. Now, what is this device? It's a wireless connected smoke detector slash carbon monoxide sensor. Now, why is this important? Well, of course, if you live in an apartment, regardless of where you live, whether you have children or animals or not, you need to have a smoke uh, a smoke detector and a carbon monoxide sensor in your home. Well, if you don't, this uh, is you, and if you don't need to, you, I'm telling you, it's you, by the law. You have to have you it. You have yeah. to have it. You got to have yeah. one. And if you don't think you have to have one, trust me, for the safety of everybody, you got to get one. I mean, if you know anyone that's ever, you know, had their uh, fire in their home or carbon monoxide uh, in their home, it's incredibly serious. This is life-saving stuff we're talking about. This isn't just, oh, cool tech. This is necessary. But 
Nest takes it to the next level. It connects to your existing Wi-Fi system, much in the same way your thermostat does. And in fact, the same app that controls your Nest thermostat also connects to your Nest Protect uh, wireless smoke detector and carbon monoxide sensor. And this is a really cool thing because, Mark, when I went through the setup process, basically it's, you know, a sort of a, a boxy shape with rounded edges, uh, maybe around six by six inches by six inches, something like that. When you install it, it connects, you know, it really is this cool, this cool process. It has a ring in the middle that has um, these different LED lights. The LED lights will give you different notifications. During setup, it circles blue. When everything's okay, there's a green, oh, there's a green glow. When something's wrong, it glows red. But it also has a voice. So when you're setting it, it says, welcome to your new Next Protect. First, tell us what room you're putting us in. And then you have a choice. You could tell it what room, and you, it, it connects through your phone, through your app. I told it, well, this one is going in my hallway. Great. This nest is nest protect is your hallway. Now I'm going to send a tone. Please mount it on the wall, and I'm going to set. And it talks you through the setup process, Mark. It was so Brilliant, much fun. Eh? I mean, who, who who thought they would have fun setting up, a, you know, a friggin' smoke detector? But once it's all set up, you can you can have different settings on it so that when you walk past it, it will light up. Uh, I did, by the way, turn that feature off because I didn't want the batteries to wear out. I'd rather have it doing what it wants and is supposed to do, which is protecting me from smoke and carbon monoxide. Um, during the test process, it says, I'm going to make a loud noise now, but just remember, this is only a test. <laughs> now, it has different things that it can do. Of course, it can sense light smoke, heavy smoke, carbon monoxide, and then a, like a full-blown emergency. And there are different warnings that it gives you, but it doesn't just give you warnings using tone and voice in your home. And it will, by the way, tell you in your home, there's an issue in your hallway because it knows where it is. It also will tell you remotely if there's a problem at home with fire, carbon monoxide, just smoke, your phone will immediately get an alert and tell you what the issue is, where the issue is. It even allows you to, you know, to if there's a false alarm, for example, and that the example they give on the website, Mark, is if you burn your popcorn and the, and the protect goes off, you can't just go over to it and wave your hand because there was an issue originally when this came out, the Gen 1 version, where you can accidentally turn it off by waving your hand yeah. in front of it. Well, you can't turn it off that way anymore. They got smart. You actually have to go to your phone if there's a false alarm and say, no, no, this is just, I burn food, I burn popcorn, and it will go off. But there is a great interaction between user and device and mobile device, the same way the thermostat works. And I was, didn't it, when it originally came out, Mark, wasn't this like one forty nine or two hundred dollars? Just a little less expensive than than the actual yeah, thermostat. So, yeah. Now at a hundred dollars, considering a traditional smoke alarm is what anywhere from thirty to forty dollars U.S., maybe forty to sixty Canadian. Yeah. Uh, you know, a, an average smoke alarm is not that much less expensive. So to have something like this that is connected that you can look at on your phone that will give you a warning that you can hear to your family, uh, I, I'm kind of blown blown away by it. It has a ten year uh, guarantee on the actual carbon monoxide sensor because. The carbon monoxide sensors are not rated to last forever. There's a shelf life. This one is 10 years. Uh, it comes in with, I think, pre-installed six uh, high-capacity AA batteries. I don't know how long the actual batteries last, which is why I turned off the light well, there's feature. Two, there's actually two versions of it. There's a battery-powered version. There's a version. hardwired version. Yeah, right, right, There's right. a battery-powered version and a hardwired version. Again, the same price, but uh, depending on which one you want to use, I went with the battery-powered as, uh, you know. And I didn't, I didn't turn off my LED lights because it's LED. It doesn't draw that much power. And it's so funny because I... 
installed mine so long ago, I forget that it's there until I'm walking upstairs. I'm like, oh, thank you for turning and the light lights on. I can see where I'm going right? now. Yeah, it's really, really cool. Well, the other issue is we have like uh, track lighting in the hallway where it is, and we always leave it on low, so the track lighting is always on. So unless we have a power failure, which actually could happen, if there's an accident, there's a power failure, you want to light your... Pa- you know what, Mark? Thanks to this, I'm turning that freaking feature back on. I'm going to do it right now. Well, but here's the I'm other thing. The back on. Is that it, also, yeah. it also works if you have a Nest thermostat. It works with it, um, and it works with other devices as well. So here's the example of how it works with the thermostat, okay? okay. If it detects an issue, whether it be fire or whatever, it'll turn off your HVAC system because it doesn't want things blowing blowing around. Um, other smart. things like works with Nest. For example, it connects to your Philips Hue lights if you want to do things as well. So you can, for example, um, use your Nest cam. If it detects smoke, you can automatically see what's going on. You can use your Philips Hue to uh, flash when it uh, gets an alarm. So there's a lot of cool things you can do with Nest as well, um, Nest Protect as well, that you can do with other connected devices. So again, it's part of that whole connected home experience. And by the way, just to show how easy it was, and I did this in real time, this was not a piece that we cut up and time flash forward. No, no. While Mark was telling you about the other features and the great connected you know, aspect of Nest, I actually did go into my app. <laughs> I went into my Nest Protect because it has a, you know, each of the Nest products have their own little subheading that you can control settings on. Went in. I turned the path light on, so when you walk by, the light will come on. You can also control, which I didn't realize because I had it turned off, you can control the intensity of the light, yes. low, medium, and high. Yeah. So I left it on medium so I wouldn't be sucking all that juice you know, and leaving the power. But it also tells you, very important, Mark, it will tell you when you ha- um, when the batteries are low. I mean, some, you know, some smoke detectors will beep. Others will just flat out die. You won't exactly know when you're not protected. This will tell you. And it has something called, uh, I forget what they call the feature. It's like the good night guarantee. Basically, if it won't last through the night power-wise, it will tell you before, earlier in the day, I'm not going to make it through the night. Please change my batteries now. Oh, cool. Uh, but if it if it doesn't say that, then it is guaranteed to get you through the night. Really, a lot of well-thought-out things here. So for $99, depending on where you are, Nest Protect, a, gr- a great investment in your family, and a really cool tech gadget you get to show your friends. It is your tech report. Marco Flalo, Mitchell Whitfield with you uh, right here. Get on Twitter. It's at your tech report, facebook.com slash your tech report. Mitchell, let's start getting that loot crate ongoing because we do this every month or so. We get the loot yes, crate from our good friends at the subscription service, of course, lootcrate.com. Which crate are we op- opening this week? I think that you, know, uh, this, this you got yours before me, so you got to kind of do it. Uh, I I'm, did. I'm no, no, no. I'll, I'll lead us through. I'll lead us through. Basically, uh, shame on us is what I was saying. We did not get to our October unboxing. We're doing that now. So, of course, we're going to have our November boxing this month as well uh so we have the i think the it's called time isn't that right mark mm, sounds right this one, yeah, sounds yeah this right. one is called the theme of this one because you know every box every month is a different theme this theme is called time so shall i shall i open you my go first? ahead I, I, okay. I can't see you now i know we normally okay, talk on. on skype here but uh, hold on hold on i can't I'm actually opening, see you Let i'm banging see. some microphone yeah okay oh, here we go okay, sound first, effects oh good. here we go okay okay now here's why i'm happy why am i happy mark why, why exactly do you think I'm happy right uh, now? I think you're happy now because there is a pop vinyl uh, Emmett Brown. There is a loot crate. Wow, way to, way to steal my thunder, dude. Sorry, uh, yes. I'm not, there I is can't a pop- see you, so normally I can see you and I understand what's going on. But uh. now, now we know that you know, uh, you know, pop vinyl has their own 
exclusive sort of uh, bi-monthly subscription service with the Marvel Collector Core and, of course, the Star Wars boxes. But uh, I'm always excited in my loot crate when I get a pop vinyl as well. This is a Dr. Emmett Brown from, of course, Back to the Future. And, I mean, look at this. We talk about how 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 great the designs on these things are. And you can see this must be the part uh, where he's sort of uh, by the clock tower at the end where he's trying to connect to get power so Marty can get home. And he's holding the two cords near each other, and there's like a, a plastic blue crackled electricity connecting the two cords. It looks so cool. And as I said, this is exclusive, so you're not going to be getting this uh, at your local any store unless you have a Loot Crate subscription, a Dr. Emmett Brown Pop Vinyl. This is so, so cool. Oh, wait. There's a Marty McFly also. Oh, man, I want that one. Okay. What else is in here? Oh, you know what? Okay. Can, can, I, can I mention one thing that's in there that I don't know if you've gotten to or not? Again, sure. it's uh, I'm, I'm going to show you right here. It's this beautiful replica of the hoverboard. Now it's sitting on this. It's sitting on this <laughs> mirrored kind of base, and it has these plastic these plastic uh, little bottoms so that it actually looks like a hoverboard is sitting there hovering. It looks like it's hovering it, over it there, right? I had a friend of mine who was in, in my little studio recording something. He's like, is that, a, is that a, dude, is that a hoverboard over there? I said, yeah. He goes, is it actually hovering? I'm like, well, but based on the angle that you were looking at it, it kind of looks like it was actually hovering. But no, it's not a real <sighs> hoverboard, nor is it something you could stand on unless you want to break it. But it's so cool. I love it. It's so cool to go back to see all this kind of but fun it, stuff. But it looks though. darn cool. Isn't that what all that's important? There, it just looks so cool? Huh? It, it Are you does. There? It does. It looks really cool. Yeah, I'm here. Okay. Tell me. Tell right, me. What, I, I tell thought me what I missed else. you for a second. Okay. No, no. I, I missed you for a second. My apologies. So here I am. I, I went out to the next thing, and you know I'm a sucker for a great T-shirt. I think we've discussed this. My 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 new obsession with the uh, the subscription box T-shirts. This one. Okay, look at this. First of all, it's this great shade of blue. Feels very cottony. You know how I love a good cotton blend, Mark. Do not tease me. Oh, yes, you do. <laughs> delicate. Uh, well, you know, I don't want the itchy shirt, man. I don't I know, want the itchies. I know. Oh, my God. Look at okay. this. Oh, my God. This is Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Oh, awesome. Did you know, by the way, by the way, did you know that oh. I screen tested for that movie back in the day? No, I didn't. I screen tested to, to be uh, to be Bill, I think. You're better um, off. Uh, here we go. So here you go. <laughs> and look, it's, it's, it's Bill and Ted with their hand over their chest and their arms out in their famous pose. And it says, be excellent to each other. Be excellent, This is man. so cool <laughs> from Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. And of course, the theme is time. So back to the future, there was time travel. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, you forget, was all about them yes, traveling in time as well. So what, what else do we have here? You already pulled out the hoverboard. We have the shirt and the pop vinyl. Mark, look at this. Okay, look at this. Okay. Again. You're way the, too excited right now. Way too okay, excited. Okay. Tone it down a bit, okay? All right, this is... All right. This is, if you're a Doctor Who fan, they actually included a sonic spork. Okay? You are looking at an actual sonic <laughs> spork here. Oh, whoever, Lord. Whoever thought I'd be, I'd be uh, If you're excited. not a Doctor Who fan now, you are going, you are such a geek, Mitchell. Oh, this is so cool. You know what? I'm, now, listen to, the, listen to me. I'm going to give this to my friend Peter because he's the biggest Doctor Who fan. I actually got him as a birthday gift once. Yahtzee that had the Doctor the Doctor Who phone booth. Yes. So, yeah, I'm going to give this to my friend Peter Jessup. He's going to go nuts for this. And, of course, you get the pin that commemorates time and the great book in the back that shows you all the great pictures and all the stuff you got. Thank you to Loot Crate again. Time was a theme, and it was a great box. Check out LootCrate.com if you want to subscribe, of course, to uh, the upcoming Loot Crate boxes. Uh, awesome show, Mitchell. Thank you so much for being here. As always, it was a great time. Next week, our, our holiday gift guide. We will bring that to you. Some very cool guests lined up. And uh, it's going to be an awesome time, just like it has been today. Thank you again for joining us on Twitter. It is at Your Tech Report. 
follow us there. You've been tuned in to Your Tech Report. Join us again next week for another edition. And be sure to follow Your Tech Report online. Email us, contact at yourtechreport.com. Follow us on Twitter at Your Tech Report. Like us on facebook.com slash yourtechreport. For the latest in breaking tech news and reviews, yourtechreport.com.